Hey everyone, welcome back to I Miss America. Thank you for joining us for part two of our discussion with Theo Devaney as we're going to talk about some political hot-button issues and all things unions in the United States. Make sure to like and subscribe our channels and check out the full interview on YouTube where you can see Theo in person. Thanks. Okay, so then I want to go a different direction now. Yeah. As somebody who's not uh, native-born United States, has moved here, mm. what do you feel? And I asked a Dutch friend this, too. Actually, he brought it up because he knew about this podcast, and he said he was giving me the answer before I could ask him. What are the attributes, do you think, that have been maybe obscured or maybe lost or have right. been minimized? Because uh, I think our purpose, we could formulate, we could say it again, but is about what's, what is, you know, what could be regenerated in this country? You know, not speaking like, oh, it's horrible or make, make it great again or anything like that, but just what are some of the things that you see as, you know, a lot of your years being outside this country? Oh, gosh. Talk about above my pay grade. That's a question a like that. <laughs> um, You know, it's really that. That's a really. I wish you'd written me that question down before I before before I came <laughs> on to this recording. Um, what would you change? I guess. Well, you know what? When I was growing, so so let me, let me let me just ask myself another question that might get me into be able to answer that. So when I was, you know, in the eighties, when I was like four or five years old, you know, I started first going to primary school. America was this. I remember writing the word America in red and blue. <laughs> Uh, crayons, you know, no, it wasn't crayons, it was probably pencils at that point. I was like six years old, you know, and I remember writing it and then I remember the flag and like, you know, and having a conversation with my teachers about America and like, and it, it had a, it, it has this incredible, it's, it's, an un, it's an, almost an incommunicable kind of significance um, that America has in the, in the psyche, certainly in Britain, in Europe, really, um, certainly, because I'm a lot of family in Italy. And I know that they're obsessed with, with with American pop culture, for example. You know, people like Michael Jackson, you know, back in the day were enormous superstars. Bruce Springsteen, you know, Nirvana. All, all of these iconic kind of uh, pop people were, were massive in, in Europe. And it, it had this thing, you know, and it's, it's the culture, you know, it's the music, it's the film, it's the art. We consumed in the UK all of the, like, the cartoons, probably stuff you guys have never watched that were cheap enough for our TV mm-hmm. to actually... Um, to actually uh, purchase and and and, and broadcast, um, Looney Tunes, you know, basically every Disney cartoon, all this sort of stuff, right? So we had all of that, and we knew we and we know on a visceral level, my generation, millennials, that, that America has this massive generative power uh, culturally. Um, so, I I suppose. What I think I find, and it's not, it's not original to say this, but I, what I find unfortunate is that it seems that since the internet, there's been a fracturing and a fragmenting of the American sense of itself. And that might not be the internet. It might be 9-11, and it might be what then happened after 9-11, where some you know, opportunistic and perhaps slightly immature politicians kind of got a bit carried away with their own mission, mm-hmm. their own sort of purpose whatever they thought they were doing in Iraq and all that and it, and, and it kind of it's made American people I think a lot of American people who love their country hate parts of their country 
or try to they're, they're looking for enemies within they're looking for enemies within because they they don't like the side of America that they've seen play out somehow and now they're looking for reasons they're looking for excuses they're looking for people to blame they're looking for do you know what I mean and there's this sort of soul searching that's going on and the, and there's an anger and there's a frustration but I don't think that as I was saying to you before I don't think it's permanent I think it's a phase I think a long a, phase I guess huh? a longish phase but not long really in terms of like European history or let's face it even Asian history which is even more right. than that like not that long we're talking 20 year phase maybe yeah. 25 year I mean it's probably got another 10 years to run probably minimum but um, I, I think it's a phase that's characterized by um, s- like you'd use the word pendulum sort of swinging a little bit you know I think America's kind of if I can use this comedy analogy punched itself in the face a lot in the past 20 years you know it was like 9-11 happened and then America started punching itself in the face and punching everyone else in the face it was like a drunk drunk uh, prize fighter in a bar it started doing more damage to itself after this terrible thing happened you know and I think that it people need to probably just calm down a little bit more and i think but i think what's funny about america is that it's such a it's such a depth charged place with such an enormously powerful voice and sense of itself you know what i mean it's a superpower it's the hegemon in the world right so i think that there's all this energy that comes yeah, we up re- we get reminded that we're a superpower all the time you that's know that's right and so it's it's hard not for that to go to our heads I, I totally constantly. Agree. I think it's like being jacked up with adrenaline yeah. and being told to like calm down and like oh yeah, by the way, be yeah, be calm and reasonable and rational. It's like, but but we're but we're economically huge. Yeah, and we're superior. Yeah. We can do whatever we want. We We've have the, the biggest military. military. Yeah. yeah, it's like we can solve this. It's like yeah, but the way you solve it is by not like doing all the like not trying too hard to like use one thing to solve it. Right, right. money won't solve it. But you go military to like other countries and they're like, you know, you go to China, they're like, we're the biggest superpower. You know, you go to Russia, we're the biggest superpower. They never, they don't say the yeah. United States is. There's a sense and of themselves. Yeah, yeah. There's an imperial. You go to Cuba I mean, and Cuba is like, we're the biggest superpower. <laughs> I know there. what you it's mean, totally... but self-delusion has limits. And I don't think, it, I don't think, I think everyone, at least until recently with China, I think everyone will have agreed that America has at least been the, super, the preeminent superpower for at least 30 years. It has. And probably for longer than that. Right. And I think that even if it was Rome, you know, if you go back to Rome, it's like when you are the preeminent superpower, you're the empire, right? You're the guy. It is very hard to not feel that, you know, the only reason that you're succeeding or failing is is that there's some sort of there's some sort of enemy to the to the to the cause, yeah. Either within or external. It, it can't just be your own nature. It can't be the something's flawed, perhaps in the in the dream. Maybe that you need to mature the dream a bit. You need to, the dream maybe needs to become a bit more inclusive, a bit more complex, a bit more layered, a bit more nuanced. Maybe it's not so easy. I mean, the fact that Make America Great Again was a presidency winning slogan is extremely interesting because it's so vague and means so little, really. You can't break it down because it means something to everyone. Like, nobody is going to want to sit there and go, I don't want to make America great again. God, America being great has been a problem. It's like, no, everyone wants it to be great again. It's just, what's your conception of great and, and what's your right. conception of how to get there? It's completely, it's a completely non It's also a 50-50 political thing. If it would have been from the left, I'm sure. I mean, it was like change. Change was, uh, I mean, if you think about it, make America great again is like, therefore, there's something wrong. We need to change it, right? Yeah. Barack Obama ran on the idea of change. He yeah. said, America is broken. We need to change it. 
you know, I don't think he said America's broken, but he's implying that uh, at least from the right would say, well, what the hell is he talking about? You know, yeah. we just came off of 9-11, you know, and we're fine. We don't need to change anything. And so, mm. uh, you know, I think the argument can be yeah. made on both ways. Yeah. And in fact, if there was ever a time to make America great again, it's probably now. We've been through two years of just hell, right? We've blasted the economy, uh, you know, by shutting it down. We've done all this insanity, you know, and uh, yeah. I mean, look at where we are today. We're, we're, there's possibly going to be some warring factors with nuclear armed uh, people doing crazy things. And many people are about possibly going to die over this weekend. And, uh, Shocking, yeah. you know, so, I'm not, yeah, we definitely don't want to have these flamboyant, uh, you know, spastic, uh, you know, sayings, slogans that are going to be horrible for one side to digest and the other side to embrace and yeah. rub in people's faces. I think that uh, John and I have like embarked on this mission of creating the show to try mm. and find some sort of uh, equality. Yeah. You know, like maybe you're right. Maybe we've been embarking on this uh, 20 years now in this small time frame, and you're absolutely right. I mean, if you think about it, even just the Jurassic phase is big, right? But, mm. uh, you know, if we have another 10, 10 years, to play this out, what's going to happen? Are we are we mm. are we going to get? Is it going to get worse? Because it feels like it's getting worse. Well, I, I, yeah. I mean, I, I have. A, I was saying to John, I have a really strong. I have a very strong feeling about how it could be better. Yeah. And I think that it's not that. So, in a nutshell, I think we're probably we probably need to go through a period of re-regulating our demo, our democracy and reorganizing our labor our labor industries yeah so like to me based on my 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 a bit you know my tell point us of tell view, us yeah like i you know acting and everything in britain like the arts you know they used to have a middle class you know once the unions were broken there's no middle class anymore you know very very talented actors in london and the south of england they're never going to own their own property in a million years because they're never going to earn a wage that is representative of what they contribute right through their work like now netflix serves shareholders it doesn't serve the people that produce the product right uh coal industry oil and gas manufacturing like pretty much every industry you can name that is like the heartland american industry all of those businesses if they're of any size at all exist to serve the shareholder they do not exist to empower their employees you can raise the minimum wage to 15 dollars or 20 dollars but until you give the, the, the people who work in your industry, a share of the profit in that industry. Now, this is, I mean, it's, it's socialism, but it's not. It's social democracy. But if you want to have capitalism that in, is inclusive, give them the opportunity to, to do things for shareholders. But give every single person who works in that company a share of the company. And I'm not just talking white collar and above, which is what happens in corporations. So you're talking about stock options for everybody. Stock options is one way of doing it. You just say, mm -hmm. give everybody a share from the moment they enter that company. But not every company is, is publicly traded. No, exactly. So, so if it's a private company, then you figure out in a different way. But yeah. the thing is, if you were a private company working in a small town, you would enfranchise your people, right? You would, because you want to attract the best people to that company, right? Yeah, you do, I think you do it a lot by, hey, there's the, the, the coal mine, we'll say it's, you know, uh, McGinty's coal mine. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. so then they invest in the school. 
and they're, and they're, yeah, and they're right, in the right. bank, and that they're they're at the the bazaar, the fairs in the summer. Precisely, they're they're, na- they're doing it that way. That's the old school localism right. that we were talking about. That yeah. actually has a way of evening itself out somewhat. I don't really believe in in philanthropy. I don't think it. I don't think it ultimately works. I think it's a. It's usually philanthropy. I'll give you five quid, so I don't have to pay five hundred to the to the tax man to redistribute for social issues. I'd rather you gave gave paid your taxes, and then we can redistribute it. Now, that's not to say that taxes don't get abused and, and misused and wasted, and of course they do, right? That's a, that's, but that's a better problem, yeah? The misuse of tax money is way less wasteful than the rampant abuses of shareholder capitalism, where the money literally just is a... The, the whole idea of trickle-down is a complete joke. It's a trickle-up. It's always a trickle-up. You know what I mean? You put money in the hands of the poor... It ends up in the pockets of Bezos. That's not a secret. That's why they were putting money in people's hands during the pandemic. Because it's like, we don't care if you go and buy burgers and pay your gas bill. Because all that money is going into the coffers of the, the, the stock, stock market. So but you don't, like, uh, you don't believe that people should be able to, or corporations or anything, should be able to donate to non-profit organizations no, and take the should, 501c3? But they should do that as well. I mean, oh, it's okay. absurd that they think that that absolves them of the responsibility of actually paying their... Sh- taxes I see it's absurd because if you look at any of the data it just reduces their tax but yeah. like I mean mm. for the most but it, you know with business taxes most businesses mm. don't take pay taxes that really gets transferred down to the people am I wrong how do you mean so I mean you mean so because it pays yeah. for the public works right and it, so it, it, I mean becomes, the, the people are the ones who are paying the taxes not really the businesses no and, no I, I think you know but I, I think that's right but then yeah. at, at the same time there's loads of ways to avoid paying tax you know yes. I mean most people have probably in this country have and in trust fact, the richer you are the easier it is tax. Yeah. Say yeah. again? The richer you are, the the easier it is to you know not pay taxes. Which is the, which is the big problem. Like I mean, that's like CEOs. Problem. See, this is something that like you you could probably I think everybody could agree. You should not. We we, we should. I I believe that it should be, and you can't really do this. You can't really enforce it. But CEOs should not be allowed to pay themselves a dollar salary a year yeah. Yeah. and then take a just a boatload of. Of, uh, of shares and they're paying you know twenty percent on capital gains. Precisely. That reduces their taxable amount down so far, 50% way below what I pay. You know, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. on a percentage basis. But, you I, know, but although they're paying gobs of money on those millions of dollars they make, and you know when yeah. they when they te- get out their shares, but they, there should be an actual salary because that is just that is unfair. But but I think I think also I'm not I'm not even just saying that that's like one solution. I think the primary solution, right? The primary one is try and get the obscene money out of politics because oh, agree. Because the you know it's you've well, got it's really, it's that's, that's the, really the first thing you've got to do. Yeah, it's yeah. the super PACs. Yeah, they're, exactly. they're the ones who are getting well. Well, you just money. it just doesn't make it, it's coming from Britain where mm. it's so. You have to be so careful that the money that is donated to political parties is used for party functions, not for campaigns. You cannot uh-huh. spend the money, I believe, on, you know, advertising. You can't. This, this ad was paid for by whoever. So, I think it's it's very careful, like the way that people donate. People do donate. The Conservative Party remains in power in the UK largely because of private donations, but. In America, it's just off the charts. I mean, and we've like, had campaign election reform discussed for at least thirty years. Yeah, more than that. I, I mean, mean, probably. More. I mean, I'm just that's forever. what I remember. But yeah, yeah. Uh, from its foundation, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, it's, so it's been hotly debated. So, I mean, comp- doesn't like conflict of interest. I mean, I don't even know if anyone in this country really grasps what that means sometimes. Because I'm like, how can there be? You know, it's like 
some children playing in this river, or this company that's just paid the local mayor, you know, $5 million mm-hmm. um, so that he, they can dump their crap into this river and nobody's able to swim in it. Because I mean, but that happens well, they, all over America. This is the way they get around it, okay? Mm. The mayor continues to receive his or her salary, right? But their spouse is the one who gets put on their board. The board. And the board pays out a lot because they're yeah. a private company. And that actually happens in local politics, you know, even here in San, you know, Santa Barbara. <laughs> no, of I mean, I, I mean, but I'm that's what I mean. It's like, you that, know, that. these deals are are done in yeah. you know country clubs, and they're done in private bars. I mean, and, you, you just know, sort of you stuff. look on any 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 congressman or whatever, and you look at their wife or their husband, and you, you try to find out what board they're on, and and mm. you you look at their you know educational background or, or whatever, and you know it's. It's crazy, but but I, and I think I think the thing is is that I don't think that you know I'm I'm not like a socialist. I mean I've got friends who are. I mean I don't consider myself a socialist. But if you if you're in a social democracy, if you're in a, in a society that you want to have some cohesion about it, and that's where I think if we talk even about identity politics, it's like clearly there are there are uh, I suppose ethnic groups in in America who clearly are overdue for having their own contribution to your culture and society recognised, right. yeah? It's clearly overdue for a correction and it's kind of happening, yeah? But I think, to me, what transcends identity politics, and sometimes identity politics can become a distraction from what is really happening, which is that economically, we are a fracturing society that is being hollowed out by the very wealthy because capitalism... I mean, who has... Who, has there been a significant pro, um, period of re-regulation since early Reagan? Well, Thatcher, Thatcherite. Uh, I don't think since Reagan. Uh, I mean, I think that you know Carter was the one that yeah. did a lot of that, right? And I don't think and he only had four years, didn't he? He only had four years. So how much could he have really done, right? So and so you know, even Obama, you know, he, he did added a bit of corporate tax and this and that, but the banks went absolutely wild under Obama, and they've gone even wilder in the last five years. So like, mm-hmm. to me, there needs to be a it's about the social contract. It's about the richest person in the country has a responsibility to be able to stand in front of the lowest person in the country, look them in the eye, and shake their hand and have some sense of the value of these people. Like we, we are both. We are all Americans, and you know, I don't include myself in that. I'm still a Brit. So no te- business is off limits. Then you, 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 you build it like uh, unionizing. Uh, I think unionizing, I and mean, perhaps not going to the extreme of like you know how strong the unions were maybe in the early 20th century. I mean, they were very, very strong then. They were able to kind of like yeah. completely leverage their power. I mean, I'm not into that, and I'm certainly not into the corruption that happens that can happen within unions. But the problem that problem is solved by better regulation and transparency, which is a which is a technicality really that you can you that's something you can fix, right? But to to absolutely take take away the influence of unions, I think, is is a mistake. Because what has it done? It has, and you can look at any of the metrics. You know that any any decent economist of the last twenty years can tell you that real American income has dropped and not grown in proportion to the growth of the American economy over the last thirty five years. Well, yeah. I would- and that's because there isn't good labour representation. And Trump, let's be honest, he definitely tried to do certain things, for example, for steel workers. The ironic thing was that in trying to do something for the steel workers, he so uh, undermined the steel 
uh, import uh, business that what happened was so many manufacturers then couldn't get steel parts because they were too expensive. And so he ground other areas of the economy to a halt, which lost jobs. Because he wanted it certain, made in America. Because he wanted made in American steel. But right. by helping certain steel workers, like one little group of steel workers, he then ruined the income and the livelihoods of other companies. And when those companies that had to manufacture complex parts and couldn't get the steel because they couldn't afford it because they're having to buy American steel, um, what did they do when they got into trouble? They fired their staff, right? They fired the lowest of the low. They didn't fire the managers, right? They, they downsized. And so they salami sliced and then loads of other people lost their jobs. But, but the messaging of Trump was able, he was able to say, look what I've done for these steel workers and hold it up like he's doing it for all laborers and manufacturers was kind of rubbish because what was he doing? Cutting taxes at the top of the company mm-hmm. and not helping the unions to organize in the bottom of the company. So it's like, it's always going to be a bottom-up thing. If you want the top to start to come back down to earth, you have to empower the grassroots. You can't trim the wings of the top. There's no, you know what I mean? You can't do that. That's not going to help them. You know, well, they're not going to carry everyone. Do you know what I'm saying? It doesn't happen. There's no trickle-down. Well, one of, the, one of the problems with unionization is, uh, you know, you're taking a pay cut. I mean, you know, you have to pay your union dues. So, in right. essence, a union worker needs to make more money in order to pay for that, right? And right. so that would streamline that. I mean, that affects everything. So that's that trickle up, yeah. you know, in, in fees and everything. That starts hitting... But it's a trickle up into to getting yourself representation. It's almost but, like but also you're bribing too. somebody on the board of the company to, to work also, for your interests, which would be a better thing than just the people on the board bribing everyone else to keep you... But having, flat, ha- having a flat low. unionization across across the board... No, I don't I, believe in that. I, I think it has to be, you, you know, industry-specific. I don't think that you could just say, well... But, uh, okay, but an industry-specific uh, requirement of the unionization across the board. Say right. say that we were to go down that road. Mandate union membership. Mandate a union. Well, that's an let's, extreme Let's just say, like, thing. let's just say, uh, you know, let's pick a field. Pick a, pick a field. Uh, any field, Manufa- right? Let's, stay with manufacturing. let's just stick with manufacturing, okay? okay? Mm. Uh, if if we require unionization with it, within that, all of a sudden the competition gets kind of thrown out the window, okay? So competition for what though? For bidding on uh, the, the lowest, company. the like, so if you're going to take multiple bids from from different, uh, say, organizations, that uh, you know it's going to be the you know it's going to be the prevailing wage is going to come into it every single time. Right now, we, we live in, you know, in the U.S., we have the opportunity to either go with a union back shop and then mm. uh, versus like kind of a, a different labor thing, yeah. you know, mm. a privately a private structure. Right. Right. But with union, they have union rules. So you have foremen, you have all these other people who are paid, plus union representatives, all these people who are creating some sort of income generation uh, from those dues that get paid by, you know, the ultimately the the, the, cut, the consumer, the customer. Oh, you know? I see what you're saying. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. going to balloon that those rates. So all but, of a know, sudden, when, but, but I know, building I know, but a house like, is going to cost like three but, times as much but because Ryan, if the there's last, no competition. Well, okay. So you're talking about competition, and obviously that's something you could say. Yeah, it kind of stagnates. Competition is a very American thing. No, it's not. I mean, the British taught it to America. I mean, the, the Americans were basically British. Right? Oh, I know that. We invented but. the rapacious capitalist banking system. We did it, right? Merging I'm just, the I'm British just saying aristocracy it. with the Dutch. Right. We had the Dutch banks, and that's how we built the boats that took over the world and became the British Navy. But Unions have been a really great thing. But they, uh, yeah, in but the that, I'm not saying they, we're supposed to turn back time. They've made worker time. safety. I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, worker safety, safety 
like a lot less death guaranteeing income guaranteeing a a great structured income yeah i have having the ability to walk into a hall and get a job i'm not that happens today you've got to remember that what i'm saying is not that we have to immediately mandate a 360 unionization of all of our you know all of our industries that's not what i'm saying i'm saying there should be we should be at this late stage in our economic experience over the last 150 years and certainly the banking system is so sophisticated we should be able to organize labor in a way that protects those people within companies just enough like we have labor protections in britain that are better than america in america you can say clear out your desk you're gone after five years, bye bye. Right. You know? Now, some of those protections ought to be in place, I think. Right? But that's that's. But there a are good other thing. things that should be in place as well, right? Yeah. But what I'm saying is, let me let me let me pose another question to you: Who have been the beneficiaries, right, of these big manufacturing companies buying and producing things in China and then selling them in the American market for dollars, whilst predominantly, who's who's where's all that wealth gone? Well, see, where's those enormous margins? If they'd had to again, buy you're, you're American all the way through, if they were if they were having being forced to buy American all the way since the eighties, mm-hmm. instead of what's happened, which is that they've just had these been able to just generate these enormous profit margins, right. yeah, that's created this kind of corporate money machine. What do you like? Where's that money gone? If Wait. it hasn't actually translated into real workers' income rising proportionally. Because if it trickled down, it would at least rise proportionally, but it hasn't rise, risen proportionally. Right. You've but had I, total deregulation, total deunionization, and all the money, magically, has not ended up in the pockets of the people who've actually been doing the work. And I, I get that. I get that. But you also have to understand that there's obviously, you know, the, the people behind who created the capital and who built the, built the foundation oh, of this business. Right. So and they deserve all of the winnings rather than the people who did well, most of the I'm work. Well, I'm not saying they deserve all of it, but in the, you know, in, we also have the ability to, if we want, we can quit our job if we don't really like what we're doing. So you're saying that you are expressing your free market to take your labor Trust me, elsewhere. I would the battle love, lines have been drawn here. I, I would love to take, work for. I would love to be in a union. And the thing have, is, have you already said yourself that wage. once you've got the money, it's easier to then use that money to maintain your money, keep earning money. Right, but yeah, but money by, makes money by uh, by using the argument of saying like, oh, but I don't think that after five years this worker should be able to be fired. Is that what you're saying? Not able to be fired. They'd be fired, but they've got to be fired within for reason. They've got to have a reasonable cause, right? And they've got to have a bit but of a parachute. Like you might to, have to give. Try to fire a teacher right now in a public school. Yeah. Okay. It's nearly impossible. Try to fire anybody who works for the government. It's like impossible. And they could be the most incompetent people ever. This is possibly where there is a major dichotomy that needs to be unpacked. Because why should a state... Why should a state-employed person have so much better rights and, and job retention than somebody in the private sector? Right, it's absurd. Which is like no wonder, would, there, no wonder there's you, a mistrust between private sector laborers you would, you and public would rather, sector laborers. Like, I mean, w- if you had if you had the chance of either putting your child in public school or private school at this point, what would you do? It would totally depend on the like. For example, right? We've looked at like if um, you didn't live in Santa Barbara, because, yeah, right. That, <laughs> then it would actually be a hard choice because <laughs> like Santa it's, Barbara, everything's great schools. here. The public schools yeah. are great. The private schools are so location There are places here so where nice. if you if you live on one side of the street to uh, the other, you yeah. can't oh, take yeah. your kid to that school. And yeah, it's oh, like, true. Absolutely. The house prices are like ten percent. There more are places in Santa Barbara where the schools are not as well as others, but. I mean, if you, you know, what I'm talking about is, uh, you know, that if the teacher in the private school is is really shit, you know, they're gonna <laughs> fire that person. 
But if there's some like teacher who's just an absolute whack job, you know, in, in Santa Barbara, they are not going to fire them. They are not. And it doesn't matter how hard, you know, I know, I know. But how look, much of I'm a difficulty. Not, that, and that's because you're saying, of what about, labor. What that's about, because of the unions. What about all this protection there is for public workers? That's a huge As opposed of to there's no protection that's, for private workers. By far. Yeah, that's not a good... Well, you're not arguing yes, against unions, are you? I, I, I mean, I, 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 no. I, I, I yes, know, I am. I, I, actually, that's why I, I wanted to clarify that because yeah. I wasn't sure... If I'm not just, arguing like, against all unions. What I'm I saying am is, arguing against unions I don't that think, are from the public sector. Yeah, I don't think public sector. I don't think public sector and private. I think that might be an issue. With, well, I mean, come on. We've probably stumbled over one of the great culture war issues here, which is that public sector workers' experience is looked on with great suspicion by private sector it workers. It is. And rightly so. Yeah. If the private sector workers have lost all um, organizing s- support and all status within the economy, no wonder they're looking at private sector and go, yeah, but typically the oligarchy and those that are very wealthy and the, the richest people who can send their kids to private school at the drop of a hat, yeah. which is a lot of people, anyone who's got a decent stock portfolio and has had a middle class job for a long time, 30 years, is in that bracket, right? Um, you know, no wonder. It's very easy for them and for and for, you know, slightly, you know, opportunistic certain former presidents that we're not going to name, yeah, can go, look at these lazy private public sector workers with all their <laughs> union benefits, you know. Has it's Trump like, ever said they're that? They're not the enemy. Is that who you're talking about, Donald Trump? No, I'm not talking about anyone in particular. But Because I don't think he ever said that. No, but I'm saying it's they, they're definitely anti-government sentiment in this country does manifest in a suspicion of public institutions and the workers who work in public institutions, yeah? Yes. Yes. That's what I'm talking about. Yes. Because they've got it, there is resentment, right? Now, not I'm resentment. not saying they should have the kinds of protections and unionization that they have at the expense of the private. I'm saying the private sector people, you know, America is an enormous country of small to medium-sized businesses and large businesses. I'm saying in all of those private companies, because that's the real economy, the public yeah. sector is not the real economy. It's public money that's been distributed into those institutions. You cannot compare necessarily those two things. To me, the private sector is where you need to make your policies. And I am not saying you need to be hiking up corporate taxes as a, as a kind of long-term solution. I'm saying you need to enfranchise the people who work in those companies. Well, because if we if were to hike corporate taxes, that, that's not such a bad idea. Because it's not it, such a bad idea. Right now, we're taxing the shit out of, out of the people who are actually doing it. And, you know, couple that with inflation, like you said, rightly so. I mean, mm. the bottom part the people who are who actually roll up their sleeves do the work you know breathe in the coal mines and everything they are getting paid the least and they they're are. getting hurt the most exactly and and the ones who are not getting hurt at all are of course the upper echelon exactly. and well i would defend uh you know the business makers without those business makers like we wouldn't have these industries of course i'm i'm, yeah. I'm a pro business maker person right i think we should be enabling small to medium-sized business people Massively, I think we shouldn't be over-regulating them. I think when you are a job creator and you're in the growth phase, I think you need to be enabled massively. Yeah. What I am saying is, once you get, as you get bigger, it should be more difficult to grow and become wealthy proportionally, right? Without bringing your your lower your lowest earners in the business along with you. At that point, you have to be able to hitch up your skirt and carry it yourself. And I love that. Rather idea. than letting go of those people and yes. saying, well look, I absolutely love we want to float idea. because as soon as we float, as soon as we sell the company and we you know we float, we're on the stock, we're on the stock market. 
you know, it's not my responsibility anymore. Now it's for the shareholders. Well, how, how do you and, think that we could fix know. that? I mean, do you do you disagree with that? Or? Well, I'm a. Uh, I mean, I think that I think where I'm at, is I sometimes float. Some, I, mm. I think I said last episode, it's like I'm not confident of my beliefs yet in some areas because there's some. I mean, and I, I'm 54. It's like some of this stuff shifts. I personally think that it's not exactly what you're saying. Is that there's always some level of just socialized things in this country. You know, there's taxes that are taken out in different places in this country. And I think there can be still a free market, mm-hmm. but there's, there's some regulations that can be had in free market. I like the idea of enabling unions with like uh, Union 2.0 or like what right. have we learned? Yeah. The problem is, is that we just tend to not, you know, learn or not apply that. And then we just regress and there's powerful union leaders. Yeah. And they're the new oligarch, oligarchs and that kind of thing. But I tend to think that I'm, um, I, I, I like your ideas, Theo. I think that the idea that, you know, there should be some, I don't know if I want to call it a safety net or it's not, I don't want to make it a welfare thing. It's people that are yeah. working. Yeah, that yeah are working. exactly. It's like in certain areas you see that it's probably a little bit out of balance. I mean, uh, but I, I think I probably come right in the middle of where you guys are. Yeah, and I, I don't, I mean, what 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 is a no-brainer for me? And I know we're probably... It's getting a little late. I was told my wife I'd be home 20 minutes ago, so I'm, I'm enjoying myself too much. Um, you know, to me, it's simply a case of take people with you, you know, the people who are in your company, and be able to exist in a similar reality to them. Because you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna get employee retention that way. Like any, any leader within, a, within an organization knows that if you if you foster loyalty through engaging your people, they're going to go with you. Yeah. Um, and the only way you're going to get, and, and I'm sorry, but I, to keep coming back to it, because I'm not a money motivated person myself. I'm just not, that's not how I'm aligned. I wish I were, because then I would have more money coming in in general. You know what I mean? But I'm I not. I feel like if I was, I'd have money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we all have money, right? But like, that's not what motivates me. But I think that when we, when we pretend that you can basically treat the the vast majority of workers in the country who work at the lowest levels as if they are expendable and have no stake in the companies they're working with, no lasting stake, you know, nothing other than the money they make when they're working. That is not, that, that's not going to end well because there's going to be no cohesion. And I, I do believe that societal cohesion requires economic cohesion. Yeah. And right now it's just the, the, the gap between... It's it's ever widening between the people that who are the, the wealth is. generators, yeah, and the people who are the the the, the producers, if you like. And yeah. you know, just the one final thing to try and clarify my thought on that. It's like, what if, um, you know, I mean, right now someone can be working for McDonald's, managing a restaurant at McDonald's for twenty years, and come away with a pension that is worth X. Right. Someone can walk into McDonald's on a, a stock trading app with a million dollars they inherited, stick it in, and at a year later, have a million dollars more. Yeah. And how much do you think is the pension worth of that person who worked for 20 years versus that person who came in with their money and made double their money in their life? You know, where's that, where's that extra million come from for that person who just used their money to make more money? Versus the person who put their whole lives right. into that company. Now, I'm not saying you can just put that money and put it in someone's pocket, but you've got to f- somehow, if we're clever enough, find a mechanism to enfranchise people. Because what that will create is loyalty to the business, 
which is in turn great for the company values and great for its market reputation with with workers, with everyone else. Plus, it, it creates a social cohesion because it, you, it engenders pride. And that's what America had. And that, to me, economically speaking, from the outside, looking at those proud companies like Ford, looking at these proud American companies that, that thrived in the 20th century, that's what we need to get back to. And you don't do it by, I don't think, I don't think you do it by boycotting Chinese goods. You do it by enfranchising the American worker in the th- success of that business. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, now I'm all in because I think the thing is the correction of the myth trickle down to me was, I mean, myth is not you know, true or false. It's like, it's myth. So I think trickle down was basically the idea of the rising tide lifts all ships, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, you know what? These big guys are going to make billions, but it's all going to come here. But if it's off and if we have data and if it's off, we can do some small corrections without calling it social engineering or yeah. central yes. planning. You know, Absolutely. we don't have to go to that kind of level of you know wordplay. No. It's not. No. It's 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 just uh, reinvigorating a part of the American dream totally. that was powered by unions. I mean, there were a lot that is powered by unions. And ironically, you're mm-hmm. speaking about an America of yesteryear, which is really what I miss America is all about. Yeah. You know, I don't think that we're like, I don't think John and I are like afraid of the change or anything like that. We're just sort of embracing, uh, you know, those, those times that seemed a little bit, that worked a little bit better. <laughs> and I, I think you do. Yeah. I, I think you do bring up some absolutely perfect points as to uh, of what we're missing out in these kind of uh, companies that are existing, existing today. Mm. Um, you know, while they do benefit, you know, a lot, some of their workers or some of their higher up employees, mm. um, it is true that the, the the absolute difference between what the CEO gets and what you know the the next step down is mind boggling. You know, especially in, in, in a Fortune 500 type company. Yeah. Um, and where, yeah, I, I have yeah, mixed feelings yeah. about that. You know, obviously, if, if I created, a, you know, if I'm Elon Musk and I, I'm the, 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 you know, I'm the man who, who or the, the thing that created this uh, Tesla, uh, you know, and I really wanted it, I, I, I've earned the billion dollars that I, you know, I, I, I got. But we all know that he does, you know, have shares all the way down to the people who are on the floor. Uh, that he's what he just gave oh, how many millions of dollars away, you know, to charity. He's doing everything he can, you know. So he, I think he's emblematic of of, of hopefully that kind of change. And you know, I, I don't really think he wants that kind of money. He's actually rejected it. I mean, he sold all of his houses, right? He's moved into some some little small thing onto uh, you know his SpaceX, and he's trying to really get the hell off off the Earth and go live on Mars or something like that. Yeah, I don't think I don't think the richest and most innovative people leaving the planet is necessarily going to solve all our problems. Although, God no, no. But I mean, I don't yeah. think he's not trying to leave the planet. No, is he? he's trying to find solutions yeah. out in space. And like, that, that's cool. And I'm I'm not an expert on his business practices, no. but I know he moved to Texas, you know, but so that he could avoid some of the California state taxes. You know, that's for oh, sure. Oh yeah, Jesus. But like, well, like when, are, when a state and that's a whole other thing. When, when a mm. state really is anti-business as, as California is, and I really do believe so by having what they've done in their policies. Uh, I'd move to I mean, Facebook just moved and you know Facebook obviously is pr- and again pretty, and, I, and again yeah I know it's, it's, it's interesting isn't it I, I don't <laughs> really understand the, the different meta. tax yeah you know I don't, I don't know how much control each state has over its own tax codes comparatively with you yeah. know, the federal what, what they're legally obliged to do I mean but 
Yeah, I don't know. It's a whole can of worms. That's a whole can of worms, basically. <laughs> but like in line, you know, interestingly enough, in tune with what you're saying, this I lo- I love the title of this podcast. This I miss America. I do because I think everyone can relate to that, and I'm sure that yeah, you know, and I and mean, it's not made a, it's not a make America great reference. No, at no, this all. is this we'd like is, to quali- qualify that because I mean, someone said that to us the other day, or said it to me the other day. They? Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. oh wow, that sounds like make America great. I'm, dude, it is so no, not no, about no, it's that. not. It's it's trying to find. <laughs> What was the beautiful thing before? I, I think I joked to, to Ryan mm, last time. Yeah. It's like, I'm look, looking back to yesteryear, yesteryear, but not the guy that says, oh, geez, it was great on the plantation. We had free labor. You know? Yeah, I mean, precisely. It's, it's not that. It's not that it's retrograde element. beepers and cordless yeah, yeah. phones and not, you know, not walking around and everybody's looking and doing this. And I'm just as guilty as doing that. But this, I think but, you coming yeah. to unions is, like, I yeah. mean, from my perspective, and I think... I think part of it you'd agree with, and part of it maybe you'd have. Some oh, absolutely! About. I mean, there is that is the yeah, thing. It's I am like not that's anti-union missing. by any by any stretch of the imagination. I, I do think though that there uh, uh, that there there are certain problems with it as far as uh, culpability and accountability, like uh, for for not being able to. Yeah, uh, I mean, it may know, it may be the, most, the best person. There may be there may be a way to enfranchise people within within a company that have nothing to do with unions. Yeah. The trouble is when it comes when it becomes about. The, that particular industry more broadly and you want to look for industry norms to try and protect those workers you know um you have to you have to actually in you have to create laws that enable unions to at least organize right and you know and, and i'm not saying that we need to go into an extreme place but at least like a you know a, a wage floor you know what i mean through which you you know and i just because you know like my my industry i mean look the reason that America, the reason that most British actors want to go to America is partly because Americans just Hollywood, the culture, they, they're much more adventurous, much more entrepreneurial. You know, they will gather, they will find money and invest it in, in art and hope that it makes money and find a way to make it commercial. And that's fantastic, right? That's why there's more money here. Of course, that's part of it. But it's also because you have unions that still have at least some influence on the industry in film and television. And that's why there are middle. There is a middle class in the industry of theater, of acting and and theater, but more even more so, film and TV. That middle class supports, you know, supports the industry. Otherwise, what you have is you hollow it out. When there are no industries, you just uh, no no unions with the industry. You just hollow out the core because the the people at the bottom who are doing the legwork have no way of making sure that they get a share of the money that is generated at the top. And then, because as soon as they're gone, which is what's happened in late stage capitalism, man, it's like the money spinning gamblers are the ones, yeah, they make the losses if they make the losses, but mostly they've made wins because but it's I, easier and easier to win. Cause they, I really like this, so, but, and I don't know if you'd apply it to your industry, mm. but the, the point that you said before with unions, the, the tie into the social cohesion, because it's like, mm. I don't want a civil war in this country. Yeah. Yeah. And I have friends on both sides or whatever. Mm. So the yeah. idea of the social co- cohesion part is that it's like building a culture. It's building people to can yeah. share in a, yeah. not just share in the wealth, but share in some common attributes. I don't know. That's one of the things I think about. I totally about. agree. Yeah. yeah, I totally agree. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, I, I think if, we don't, if we don't make it an economic argument, if, if we're missing the elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. Because when, when I don't have, and I see that you do, and I'm like, but I work with you. I work right. at your company and I'm struggling, you know, to just get by, you know, and I'm not, not quite outpacing inflation or I'm da, 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 and I just see you like buying boats and trying to find things to do with your money. It's like, 
it just makes you angry. It's the grapes of wrath, and that's what that great novel was based on, man. It was like we wiped, you know, the, the banks came in and just took away all this land. You know, there was no, when, when times were good, it was easy, you know, yeah. times are bad, and there's a couple of droughts, and you haven't rotated your farming enough, and it's like, right, you lot, bye-bye. Well, and, and it's like... The problem is, there, like, like you said, there is no cohesion in, mm. in our society right now. We're too busy with infighting, which is where they want us to Precisely. infight. And I totally that agree. That we, we just can't rise up and actually take this country back. And that sounds so, you know, let's take this country back, <laughs> damn it. It sounds like but, a January 6th. It does sound Jesus. a little bit January 6th to me. But yeah. you know what I mean. But I like, mean. The only yeah. way that we're actually going to do this is to forget our petty squabbles and our differences. Stop accusing each other of, uh, you know, baseless allegations. Let's mm. try to find some common ground and let's actually try to move past this. And let's let's do this together. And I agree. And let's let's you know, yeah. Let's let's have more opportunity. I think one of the biggest things that we've been talking about, uh, you know, we all come from a little bit of opportunity. You maybe you not even as much, but like, you've oh, no. you've I've you've had help. Okay, so you've yeah. had help. So, but a lot of people don't have opportunity. Mm. And I think that we need to actually get to a place that in our culture that allows that mm. and access. Yeah. And you're talking about access, and I think that. That I agree with that 100%. Um, you know, I mean, just imagine, but I think marriage is also you. a big thing. But I think that's, I'm, I'm with you. I, I mean, I think it's that sense that a young kid who grew up next to this amazing building that has this amazing corporation in it, a young kid yeah. who's just gone to a state public school, can look at this amazing corporation, he can go in there when he's 18 and go, I'm going to go and work in the print room. You know, or I'm going to work in the whatever they call it, the post room or whatever. Yeah. And I'm going to work my way up by by hard work and application, figuring out how I can be a value to this company. That that's actually likely to happen. You know what I mean? And that was the American dream too, right? That was a big yeah. part of it. it. Was the sense that by application and actually committing to an organization institution, you can get there. Whereas now, I think, and, and this is what I fear. I think is that in America, you're you're unless you're careful you're going to end up with the kind of entrenched class-based reality that Britain has had and has struggled ever to shake off, is that this sense of class, this sense of tears, where there are certain jobs that are for people who went to... I mean, four of our last, like, I think ten prime ministers were all, all went to Eton, one yeah. in secondary school. Right, and we have the same thing here. They all, yeah. they all went to Yale, they're all Phi Beta Kappa. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's sort of, a, the, sort of an inbredness right. to the leaders here, yeah. too, I'd say. Somewhat. But, yeah. you know, and that's why, but that's the thing about America. And, and I, I remember a slogan, was, it was Obama or something, that said, it's time to get away from Wall Street and back to Main Street. Which of course sounds like just a typical political slogan, which yeah. probably he didn't follow. Ironically, in still Wall Street way. rose and Main Street because fell. he bailed out Wall Street. Well, it was <laughs> it was a law of unintended consequences. I talked about this before. I mean, right. mm. I, I honestly believe he had such great intentions. Yeah, but it's it's like rolling the rock up the hill and it just rolls back down, rolls, back uh, down rolls over you. Yeah, and yeah, it happened to him. Yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, so, but I think that that's the thing is America does America is so huge. There are so many amazing small towns full of amazing communities where brilliant companies grow. And before those vulture capitalists from Wall Street come in and buy this, you know, very, this thriving company and hollow it out and maximize the yield for their financial investors, mm-hmm. 
that that's where the seed of the solution exists, in my opinion, where you say, do you know what? No, you don't get to just come and buy this company, hollow it out for the benefit of some people that will never know our names or know what we do, who are just putting money into investment funds and wanting a return. Those people don't get to decide the fate of America. Yeah. That's that's. I think we, we need to, to scare more and say that it's actually Chinese investors coming over, <laughs> yeah, well, and then you'll get some traction on. Oh that, God, right? God, well, don't. Get, that's, that uh, depresses me. Uh, You've got Ronald to harness said, racism, otherwise, well, yeah, right. nothing, no exactly, change. That's what I'm saying. Come. It's like you do that. that then, thing, oh wow. Well, if we that have a common, yeah, if we have yeah. a common enemy, but then we're making China our enemy. You know, yeah. so well then. But, but that, that's but that's again the classic of misdirection. You blame China for your problems. You're America. Your problems are your own. Your own. You're in your own power. I agree. You have the power. Like blaming somebody else is the ultimate way of dis- just saying oh I, what can i do I'm well that's why i you know you got to clean up your own backyard before you start pissing yeah. on someone else you I'm know with you there so but uh i just want to thank you theo uh you you basically you you provided us with your i don't know if it was a small or a large american dream from drawing those colored you know uh, red white and blue letters and coming over and then uh and then sharing, you know, your hopes for an American dream for other people, which I do think is lacking in the past, you know, 10, 20 years now that people just don't have that American dream. dream. So it was very poetic and, uh, you know, it was, it was a great story. And we're really, thank you for yeah, coming. Thank you, thank you both. It's been a real pleasure. And it, it went on a lot and longer I'm than sorry, I thought it would. Yeah, sorry My to your wife. My wife's going to totally kill me. And it, if, when if, she sees it, she'll understand. So. No, she, I hope she will. But, you and know, look, I, you guys are just such, back again, you guys are you wonderful know? conversationalists. It's been a real pleasure. And, thank you. And, you know, thank you for inviting and me. And we didn't even talk about one thing that I really want to talk about. So I want to bring you back if I could. Okay. Are you going to plant the seed of what that topic's going to be? Yeah, I want to talk about uh, Hollywood and uh, how woke it's gotten. Okay. That's a oh, yeah. can of worms. This one we can submit in writing first for you so that we yes. can know. It. No, no. I can speak no, as okay. boringly on that as I can on everything Because else. I've got strong feelings on about that. And how, I'm sure you and how I will exchange some Hollywood interesting stuff. And I'm going to be in the middle. Yeah. yeah, exactly. No, I appreciate that. You guys are so gracious. I'd love to come back and chat about anything with you. Thank okay. you. Okay. Thank you. Thanks so much, Theo. And thanks for coming. Make sure to hit that like and subscribe button. And, uh, you know, for all you podcast listeners, uh, please follow us and Thanks a lot. Ciao. Everyone, thank you so much for joining us at I Miss America. I hope you liked our third episode. Uh, Please feel free to hit the like and subscribe button. Uh, Feel free to comment if you have any sort of topics you want to hear, and we'll discuss them. Uh, Make sure to look out for more episodes. We're going to be filming these on a weekly basis. So I hope you can join us.